Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the past week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. We know some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive by the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever one of those categories you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here today. Welcome to the recap. We are on the April 24th episode. We're still in Leviticus. We hit numbers today. We finished today. Leviticus, yeah. Yep. And still in the Psalms and finishing up Ecclesiastes tomorrow. I love Ecclesiastes. I'm, I never realized how much I loved Ecclesiastes. It's been, too. there's been so many things that I'm like, this is just what I needed right now. Mm-hmm. And it, I love Job. You know, we've talked about how much I love Job, but, mm-hmm. and I didn't think in a million years I would ever love Job when I was starting to like grow in my faith. But now like just the correlation between those two are so yes. crazy similar. Mm-hmm. Crazy similar. I, this week was really fun for me because I, I think I had like two or three days that kept building on each other, I guess, in all three books. In my own personal faith, I feel like there was a light bulb that went off. I understand a little bit more how my faith works now. How I sift through some of the hard things in scripture and how I understand what I believe about God with all of those hard things. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this was a good week. How did you start there? Well, it was all, it's going to be a whole jumbled mess because it was all three of the books together. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. Okay. Let me see if I can get started. I feel like it was towards the end. Well, like the middle of the week, but while you're looking, I'm just going to, yeah, go ahead. I know that for me, this was the first time that you know, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. That to me was such a generalized, abstract statement yeah. in the past. Now I feel like I have a handle on it in that I, I feel like between Leviticus and Job, it sort of helped me to understand what that means. The beginning of wisdom being the fear of God is that understanding, that basic understanding that God is God and mm-hmm. I am not. The way that Solomon just teases out that we are Mm -hmm. incapable of understanding Mm -hmm. why God does what he does when he does what he does. And Mm -hmm. it's not for us to understand. I feel like I have like a grasp on the foundation of it all. The Mm found everything builds off of God as God and I am not. And I am not. And, And I think that I feel, I don't know whether this is where you're headed or not. When I get to a part in Leviticus where I write in my notes beside it, I don't like this. I don't like Mm -hmm. this part of God. This Mm -hmm. part is, makes me upset the way that he treats, Mm -hmm. he let them treat the slaves or people that were not part of their nation or like these things that Mm -hmm. I don't understand. All I just, they all, I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but it kind of gets sifted through that. Like he is God and I am not. And when there's things that I don't like, and when there's things that I don't understand, I know that he's God and that I am not, but I also know that he's good. Mm -hmm. God is good good. He's gracious. He's kind and he's forgiving to a thousand mm-hmm. generations. And so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Though that totally, that's like super along the same lines. I, mine was like even a step further than that in some ways as to like why I can believe that in yeah. a way. So Leviticus 26 was hard to read. It's where he's talking about, this is our covenant. And if you keep my covenant, then I'm going to bless you. Right. If you don't keep my covenant, I will destroy you. It's not 
pretty at all. And so I'm reading this in Leviticus 26 and you're just like, that first part at the beginning, I will be fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you and you'll get to eat the fruit of the grain. And Mm -hmm. I have that underlined because that's so nice. And it's such a reassuring promise. Do you want to hear what I have underlined? This is where you're headed. Verses 27 through 35, it says, and even, and if this, even this doesn't work and you still won't listen, still defy me. I'll have had enough and in hot anger will defy you, punishing you for your sins seven times over. Famine will be so severe that you'll end up cooking and eating your sons in stews and your daughters in barbecues. It's terrible. But if you keep reading, right, then in verse 44, mm-hmm. he says, but in spite of this, in spite of this, I won't reject or abhor them or destroy them and break my covenant with them since I am the Lord, their God for their sake. I will remember the covenant with their fathers. Yes. He lists all these things, but in spite of all of this, I made this covenant with you and I'm going to keep this covenant. So even with that part at the end, that part in the middle is still really hard to read. All of that is because God is holy because God's holy. He cannot be in the presence of sin. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, because of who, because God is who he, he is, he has to respond this way. Like it's part and of his character. I think it goes with that when you over and over again, we hear him say, I am God, your God, which is, yes, that's him saying that like, relationship. I am God. I am holy God. I am your God. You right. are to be a holy people. Like right. that's like, that's the expectations. If I'm going to be your God, if me, the holy God, I'm going to be your God. I expect you to be a holy people. Well, right. obviously he knows they're not going to be, and they can't be a holy people, which is why he, the holy God, is the only one that can keep his side of the covenant. Right. Diverging. Yes. No, no, no. You're good. So then, okay. So then Psalm 32, mm-hmm. after you read Leviticus 26, because here's the thing, we, we are not going to keep his covenant. We are sinful human beings. We are going to screw That's up. Exactly like there's, right. there's no wonderings about that. Right. But Psalm 32, the whole Psalm is about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so he's talking about how he's just feeling so guilty. But then in verse six, he says, therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Mm -hmm. And, and he's talking, well, right before that, in verse five, then mm-hmm. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking about how, you know, that phrase confession's good for the soul. Mm-hmm. Well, it's even better for the soul when we know that we're already forgiven for all of it. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that if you're enjoying our reading plan, but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source, you're going to love our dive studies. Our first study is the book of Galatians. We're going to dive deep into one chapter per week. You'll have the option to participate in live online video discussions with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group. Or you can simply follow along in the discussion in our Facebook groups. The first study begins April 28th, so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Oh my gosh. It's funny that you're talking, that this is the part that you're talking about, because I would say that this Psalm was, this was it for me for this week. I wrote a weekly truth based on this because for me, where he says, he actually, this is where it caught my attention 
in verse three, it says, when I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My mm -hmm. words became day long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. And I just, when I read it, I was like, I relate to this. I feel like mm -hmm. there's the, all this pressure inside of me mm -hmm. that's building up. And I just feel like I've kind of got this day long sort of groaning going on and I've been calling mm -hmm. it anxiety, it's all these things. But it's just, I related to that. And so when I came to the next line, it says, then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. When I come to these things, I do stop. Okay. That's the next thing. And so I did, like, I took that and I was like, you know what? This is exactly what I need. I just need to get real with God. Just mm -hmm. be completely honest about all of the things that I'm carrying with me. All of the things that are like going on inside of me, which are you know, my fears of rejection, um, my anxiousness about this new ministry taking over my life, all of these things that are just, they're all inside of me and it's a lack of trust. And it's, a, mm -hmm. a I'm forgetting who God is and I'm forgetting to take them to him. And we, and it reminds me of like what we said in Leviticus, where they were confessing their sins and making sacrifices moment by moment, day by day. It was just a, it's mm -hmm. a constant thing. And so yeah, our confessions are supposed to be that constant confession. Right. And yet I forget and I carry this stuff around for so mm -hmm. long. And then, but the moment that I do, the moment that I just bow my head and I get real with God, here it is. This is all the stuff mm -hmm. that I'm so worried about. It's almost like I feel his hands take grasp my cheeks and pull my head into in for a kiss, you know, where mm -hmm. it's just like that immediate, because just like you said, because where David is writing this without the Messiah, the work of the Messiah being done. Like I, what God did he, like, how did he know how immediate that was? Oh, how mm -hmm. did David grasp all he desired was a pure and contrite heart? Like David knew that, but we do mm -hmm. have the work of the Messiah done that all of those sins are gone, that our mm -hmm. guilt was dissolved long ago and disappeared. And just that, like, that's the way I picture it. It's just the Messiah grabbing my head and kissing it. Like it's all been forgiven. It's all done. And just everything's dissolved. Like just the freedom, the grace, mm -hmm. the goodness, the, the wide open spaces. And that's so often then in the Psalms, I kept seeing like the breath multiple times. He talks about how he gives us a break and an opportunity to just take a breath. feels like he puts me in wide open spaces and gives me an opportunity to just take a breath because like that pressure that's building up when I'm carrying all that around is feels like holding your breath, you know, that, mm -hmm. Yes, I am with you. Yeah. Psalm 32 was Yeah, Psalm 32 is great. Powerful. I haven't even gotten to the main thing yet. But the yeah. other thing while we're in Psalm 32, the very beginning, there's this song that's been rolling around in my head because I listen to it often and there's well Psalm 32 the very beginning says, "How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit." And it made me think of that song because the song in one part of it, he's, he's basically saying, maybe it's not a bad thing to be broken and be redeemed rather yes. than mere, rather, rather than just being innocent. Maybe it's a good thing to be yes. broken and redeemed because we have this redemption puts this whole new twist on who God is. We know God in a whole so good way, more than we would have if we had just stayed perfect in the garden, like we were yes. from the beginning. And so those first couple of verses in Psalms reminded me of that. So Psalm 32 verse one, I have next to it Jubilee because it says, count yourself mm -hmm. lucky. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start, your slate swiped clean. And then we were reading about the Jubilee. Yes. The year of Jubilee. Yeah. And how 
how you get to trace God's character through story, right? That's a character trait that we know is of God, that he loves fresh starts. He mm-hmm. loves to give us fresh start. That's mm-hmm. his favorite thing in the world. And that Jubilee that he had a plan for a fresh start for the land, for the people, yeah. for the aliens, for the, yeah. like, he had always, there was a fresh start to start again. And he just loves the fresh start and he knows that we need it. Right. Yeah. That building in that I was thinking about when I was reading about those Jubilee years and stuff and how God builds that in for the land and for the people, Mm -hmm. we can see God's grace in so many different ways. The fact that God takes care of the land and he sends rain and all of those things. There was another way that I was thinking through this from Leviticus, the way he treats his people and how specific that grace is. It looks like the grace that he gives to the world in some ways, and yet it's a step further. I'm in 20 or yeah, 25. So it's that section where he's talking about the Sabbath years and the Jubilee. So God builds in these Sabbaths and these Jubilees for his people, I think, to have rest, but, but really for the land. Because I mean, even if you talk to someone who gardens, if you grow the same thing in a plot of land for years Mm -hmm. and years, it's going to stop producing because you're sucking all the nutrients out of that land. Right. Mm -hmm. So that Sabbath year was built in for the land to help the land produce, which was for his people. So that they right, the produce. seventh year, right. Right. That seventh year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it says, so in verse 18, God's explaining, you're going to wonder what you're going to eat the next year after that. Yes. Year. But oh don't worry gosh. about it because in the sixth year, I'm going to give you enough for three years mm. so that when you sow in the eighth year, you're going to be, eat- he explains all of this. I was just thinking through that Sabbath of rest for the ground. That's kind of like God's common grace. He's just taking care of his earth. He's teaching his people how to care for his world. And then he's like, I'm going to show you how I'm going to take care of you. And it's going to be complete and better. And here you go. I'm going because I'm God. Right. And I made this earth. So I'm in that last, that sixth year, I'm just going to make it do three times what it's supposed to do. Yes. So I just thinking about how God's setting up these guidelines for his people, because that's the way life works best. It's it's not just random. And and it's consistent through scripture in the manna. When they picked up the manna, he gave them enough. There was enough. Right. Last them until the eighth day. Yep. Yeah. With the Jubilee. I love that there's so much to it, but I really love but the value of their land goes down the closer it gets to Jubilee mm-hmm. because they're going to have to give it on the anyway. seed. Yeah. Right. And so not only that, but the reason for that, and he says it outright, I don't remember what verse is so that we don't ever forget that it's his, it's all mm-hmm. his. So the value of it goes down because eventually it's not going to be anybody's anymore. And it's going to be kind of up for grabs again, because to begin with, it was God's like, God doesn't ever mm-hmm. want us to forget that it's all his. That's how we're to treat our lives as well, that we don't, all these things that we possess, but even our lives are, we think that we own them. And he sets up these reminders to be like, no, I'm, I paid the price. It's mine. Yeah. That's mine. I created it. Um, Yeah. So that actually talking about the earth kind of ties into that big understanding of myself that I feel like I gained this week. And I've always, I think I've always felt this way, but I think I, it was justified in scripture this week, maybe 
we've talked about Job, the section in Job where God starts speaking and oh, he says, says, where were you, Job? Up your, yes, that, that where were like you, Job? Mm-hmm. I, I hear that in my head constantly when I'm reading scripture. And I didn't realize how much God's power and glory as a creator, as the creator, mm-hmm. is what defines my ability to trust him. I'm talking, mm-hmm. this might not work for everyone, but for me personally, any time in scripture where it starts to talk about the things that God has made, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, well, where, there you go. Where were you, Job? Like I automatically, it just forces me to trust him for some reason. In Psalm 33, it started to do that, which was the same day as we read Leviticus 26. So I'm reading Leviticus 26 and I'm like, oh, this is hard. Like this is God's holiness. And this is the part that's like, (gasps) yeah. So then I go to Psalm 33 and it's talking about the heavens are made by the word of the Lord Mm -hmm. and the stars. And it goes through that whole thing. And I was like, this is it. This answers all the questions Mm -hmm. for me. Like God reveals himself in creation. And that is what allows me to trust him. Well, then today was Ecclesiastes 11. And Ecclesiastes 11 has the same, and I actually have written next to this from the last time I read Ecclesiastes. Where were you, Job? Like, (laughs) I have that question jotted throughout my Bible. But in Ecclesiastes 11.5, it says, just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. And then it goes on. But I was like, well, there it is again. So I, I think part of it is, I've kind of always felt like I was simplifying it a little bit Hmm. in my mind. There are some things, yes, I question and it's good to question. And there are things that I want to know an explanation for, but I also recognize and I'm completely okay with the fact that there's going to be a lot that I can't explain. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that made me feel like I wasn't trying hard enough to find answers. You know what I mean? Like I should care more maybe. And I do care. Like, you know me. Yeah. We've talked about pretty strong opinions about certain things in scripture. Right. That probably don't matter, but I also have a lot of way more unanswered questions, but the fact that I can come back to, you were saying at the beginning, Mm -hmm. God is God and I am not. And one of the ways that he proves to me that he's God and I'm not is creation. Mm -hmm. And where were you, Monica? Like, I- right, exactly. That's like that. That is, I think that's why I love that passage in Job mm-hmm. so much because I'm kind of like, well, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> to think about the fact that David recognized it, mm-hmm. Solomon recognized it in Ecclesiastes, it justifies a little, little bit for me to be like, you know what? This is, it's okay for me to base my faith on that a little yes. bit. You know, that, that is enough for me that God is God and I am not. It's not just okay to base it on that a little bit. That's, precious to him. That's the childlike faith that he desires this us coming before scripture. And often I hear the sound of you when we were asking questions about the uh, Passover meal back in the Mm -hmm. podcast, a few episodes Mm -hmm. ago, and you going, this is why we shouldn't be doing this. I hear that like in my head. And I think, you know (laughs) what, we are in no way qualified to be doing anything except sharing our questions and sharing our excitement Mm -hmm. and our enthusiasm and to whatever degree we know his love, how great it is to have this opportunity to just, I don't have all the answers. And I I want, like, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to not 
think that you have all the answers and that you have to have all the answers. He desires mm-hmm. a childlike faith. This mm-hmm. is all beautiful to him, which is why when people ask these questions in our discussions on the Facebook group, there's certain questions that come on that are just so pure. Like they're just such pure questions. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much joy that comes from having other believers come in and be willing to ask these pure questions. I think that's in general, what attracts people to these conversations is that there's a purity in saying he is God and we are Mm -hmm. not. And there are certain things that we know. And there are certain things that we will one day come to know. Right. There's plenty that we do not know. And that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yes, Ecclesiastes for me has been, we, we have had a little bit of upheaval in my extended family, like the family that I grew up in. I've just really enjoyed so much this, just this idea to be comfortable in not understanding the meaning of it all, not understanding mm-hmm. why God does what he does when he does it. And uh, that Solomon who sought his entire life right. seeking it. And at the end of the day, he's like, we're never going to know. He says, I realize that if you keep your eyes open day and night without even blinking, you'll still never figure out the meaning of what God is doing on this earth. Search as hard as you like. You're not going to make sense of it. No matter how smart you are, you won't get to the bottom of it. But then the hope I love that the hope that comes with it in the following chapter in verse seven, it says, eat bread with gusto, drink wine with a robust heart. Oh yes. God takes pleasure in your Mm -hmm. pleasure. Oh my gosh. Let's just stop right there. I just wrote about that yesterday. Yeah. That is, that is engraved on the back of my butcher block. The go eat your bread with joy. God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Yes. When I was writing about this yesterday for a post, I looked it up in the message version and that's the message version, but it's actually a quote from the Living Life Backwards book. Um, And he says in there, he says, God takes pleasure in your pleasure because he's given it to you. Mm -hmm. And I have another quote from later on in chapter 11 from the Living Life Backwards book. He says, in enjoying the world that God has made, we show that we've grasped the goodness of the God that we say we love. And so just recognizing that those things that God gives us for pleasure, our pleasure brings him pleasure. It shouldn't necessarily be the things that we're taking pleasure in. It's the giver of the things. And so when we're recognizing that those are good gifts from him, we're actually taking pleasure in him. And that is what gives him pleasure. Yes. It makes me think of the end of that post that I wrote on um, gifts and how all that, all these investments that we make with his talents, they're his talents. And so when we invest them, all of the proceeds go back to him. Right. In the end, all of the joy that he gets from the proceeds of those investments, he plans to share in full with us. He shares it. Yeah. Because he takes pleasure in our pleasure. And he Mm -hmm. knows ultimately at the end of the day, when we all get there, our pleasure is in him and his pleasure is in us. And we just mm-hmm. share all the joy together. That's such a promise, such a promise. He gives us all of these things to enjoy. The idea is to find the joy, mm-hmm. just the capacity to enjoy what he's mm-hmm. given us has been given to us by him. Mm-hmm. It's made me repentant for the times that I do feel overwhelmed by Dive Collective. Yeah. It's just made me repentant for all the times that I'm 
all the time that I spend stressed or overwhelmed mm -hmm. instead of just enjoying yeah. what he's given me to do. I was thinking right. yesterday, I was like, I'm yeah. missing out on a lot that he has for me. Every moment that I choose to be afraid, I'm missing out on the goodness that he's given mm -hmm. me in this. I don't necessarily struggle with anxiety. I just am grumpy. I just feel like I spend my life grumpy because I want to do what I want to do. And so that's what I, when you said you've spent, you've just been repenting, like yeah. I totally relate to that. This read through of Ecclesiastes has been good. But when I read living life backwards, I was like, oh, why do I complain? Life is a gift. So live it. That's the kind of the gist of Ecclesiastes. Yes. And here I am grumbling about things that I have to do, or I just, I have so much more to be grateful for than I do to complain about so much everything and I to end up spending for. right that's the thing like even the things that I choose to complain about I can be grateful for and yes. it doesn't take a huge stretch you know mm -hmm. and so I totally relate to that being reminded that life is a gift all of it but it is totally a choice like a choice that you make yes to choose to see those things as gifts and not as things to complain about. Yeah. That's the part that convicts me is that I think about all the times that I've chosen right, exactly. to be afraid rather yeah. than to choose. It didn't even occur to me that I had a choice that you could choose something to enjoy different. it. Yeah. Or to be grateful. Right. Yeah. I say we end there. That is the yeah. April 24th episode of the recap. We will see you next week. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.